Radio TFS number 16, Remotely TFS. Hi and welcome to the first episode of uh, 2009 for Radio TFS. This is Martin Woodward for woodwardweb.com and as usual I'd like to introduce my co-host Paul Hacker from tfstimes.com. Hey Paul. Hey there Martin, how are you doing? Very good, thanks. And of course Mickey Gousset from teamsystemrocks.com. Hey Mickey. Hey Martin, how's my favourite Englishman? I'm doing fantastic. What have you guys been up to? Well, uh, work. Um, but um, besides working, I actually just got back from doing a uh, session at the MDC. And for people that don't know what the MDC is, it's the Microsoft Developer Conference, which is like a mini PDC that's going around the country. So I was invited to Chicago to do a talk on uh, VSTS 2010. So we did a lap around VSTS 2010 with some demos, and um, about 200 people showed up for the event, got rave reviews, and... Uh, and that's really about it, you know, just kind of laying low for the after the holidays. Excellent. Well, I have been up to a couple of different things. I have finally achieved the Team System Rocks upgrade that I've talked about probably since Radio TFS began. Woohoo! So, if you go check out Team System Rocks, it's still a work in progress, but I am now upgraded to the latest version of Community Server. I now have two sponsors, which is nice. I'm slowly trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to do the content. One thing you'll notice is that the tutorial section that used to be there is currently down. I'll have that back up probably by the time this podcast is out. So, But apparently I get a lot of hit on those tutorials, even though the tutorials are 2005 related. So we'll get those back up pretty soon. But I've got that done. I went and spoke at the Huntsville.net user group last week. I took the... The 2010 talk that Paul and I have done at these MDC conferences and did that at the Huntsville.net user group, and that went over really, really well. So they have a nice facility there and had a, about 20, 30 people show up. So that was very well run. So, so anybody out there who's in the Huntsville area, if you've not checked out the Huntsville.net user group, you should definitely go check it out. Other than that, I'm waiting to see if I get accepted for any of my tech ed talks, and I'm starting to prepare for my trip out to Seattle for the MVP Summit. Woohoo! So, um, are you are you able to get over for the MVP summit, Paul? Or is it just going to be me and me and Mickey holding up for radio? No, I I am currently registered and ready to go. Get in. Um, so uh, we'll have I'm, to record some podcasts while we're all out there then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be a great opportunity for us. Yeah, definitely. Grab some of the other MVPs and the product group people yeah. and chatting. That'd be great. Sure. So just um, while we're talking about the Microsoft Develop the MSDN Developer Conference, um, I've got I've pulled up the dates here, so. I'll um give I'll give a link out you know in the show notes, but it's basically um MSDN DevCon or one word dot com. And if you're in uh, Washington DC and you've recovered from the inauguration, or uh, New York, Boston, Detroit, Dallas, and San Francisco, then it's um not too late to uh, to register for, you, for your local MSDN developer conference. Washington's on the 16th. New York's on the 20th, Boston the 22nd, along with Detroit on the 22nd, and then Dallas on the 26th of January, and then uh, finally uh, San Francisco is all the way on the 23rd of February, so uh, you have to wait for everything, San Francisco, but that's fair enough. You, you weren't that far from PDC anyway, so you should have just got down there. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, yeah. Um, what have you oh, been doing, I've, Martin? Yeah, we've been, uh, it's been quite a busy new year. As you know, I was a bit poorly last year, so I've sort of been catching up for lost time a bit. Um, uh, 
lots of work. We're we're doing all the you know, there's lots of Rosario work going on at the minute. All good fun. So it just you know frightens me at times. <laughs> but it, it yeah, it's quite funny. We we have lots of you know we have people who ask us um, you know what's going on with Rosario and stuff. And obviously we, we've been involved for quite a long time, but. Um, it's it's the fact you know there are some co- one of our large customers is already using Rosario internally because you know wow because they're a certain uh, yeah certain software company based near Seattle so um, <laughs> a big TFS deployment up there for some reason and so uh, we ob- we obviously you know have to uh, have that working even though you know, it's quite early days so, so. it's all good fun at least that means that um, by the time you know normal people like me get a hold of a proper copy of Rosario then at least we'll have a you know well proved um and then what else oh I'm, I'm speaking I'm doing, doing some talks so let me think um next week so hopefully if I get this edited this week then uh, next week on um the, 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 that would be the 26th of January I'm doing a talk at the uh, Northern Ireland .net group so NIMTOG and uh, funnily enough guys I'm going to be doing a, a talk about uh, Team System 2010 so if you can send me your slide decks I'd be, I'd be very very grateful. That'll save me a job <laughs> do that. at the weekend. Fantastic. The second week of February, so that'll be the. I mean, it's actually the tenth of February. I'll be talking at um, Tech Days in for Microsoft France. I'm doing a session on uh, VSTS interoperability, or as the French say, uh, VSTS interoperability. <laughs> and uh, that'll be me um, speaking English, hopefully. <laughs> two words of French at the beginning and the end. Um, so that'll be a good session. And then, so yeah. I gotta ask, you know, as 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 my little American self who's never been outside of the, the United States. Have you not been, you, so you've not, get, been you've get, not been over for Techademia yet? I haven't. Oh, I have not. I have not that. made it yet. But yeah. you know, feel free if anyone can wants to sponsor me to come do that or speak at Developer Day Scotland or anything like that. I'll be more than happy to. But that's beside the point. Um, to get from where you are to Fr- to France, uh-huh. do you, I mean? Is it so you have to you fly right? I mean, there is obviously you're on a freaking island, so you. Yeah, I'm on I'm on the island of Ireland, so I, yeah, I'll get on a plane from uh, the the airport just down the road from me, and I can be in France within about an hour. Wow, it's pretty good. That's cool. Do you have to have like passports and uh-huh. all that stuff? Those still? yeah, but you need okay. you know you need if you drive for like twenty four hours and you need a passport. Need okay, it's not it's not a very big place. <laughs> in fact, I can uh, you know I don't need a passport to go into Ireland, but I can be in a different country you know in thirty minutes. That's just with cool. a different currency and different speed limits. I'm yeah, just a good southern boy. Exactly. Um, so no, um, yeah. After after the tech days in um, France, uh, it's then MVP Summit in March. Be good fun. Um, yeah, first week of March. I have submitted a session for Mix at the end of March, but I doubt I doubt that'll yeah, be accepted. Well, might as well thought might as well it. And then um, finally, uh, uh, in April, the first week of April, so the fourth of April. Um, speaking of the developer days, we've got a developer, developer, developer conference happening in Belfast. So again, there'll be a link in the show notes, or you can just type. DDD Belfast, um, but there should be. It's a bit like um, equivalent of a code camp, you know, that you'd have in the USA, but it's uh, happening in Belfast and everyone getting together on a Saturday. And what you really need for that is some great. USA speakers, yeah, if you <laughs> drop in exactly. Sadly, the budgets for these things aren't as good as it, for hosting free events aren't as good as they used to be. But uh, yeah, well, you know, we'll talk about it offline. And then um, finally, for this sort of half of the year, um, TechEd in uh, in the US. I'll also be going along to that one, so it sounds like we'll be meeting up, Mickey. I hope so. If if one of my talks gets picked, That'd be I have not heard anything. Fingers yet. crossed. Well, yeah, no, I, I heard something back from one of mine, but it's not a it's not a confirmation yet. You know, it was just clarification. 
coaching question. So at least I didn't get outright rejected. Um, so that's, yeah, second week in May. So that'll be good fun. Okay. I'll be there. If I'm not there talking, I'll be there anyway at the team prize booth. Look forward to seeing you then. Right, that's, a, that's enough blathering. Should we, um, quite, we've got a competition winner to pick, I think. Yes, yes we, we do. do. So back a couple of episodes ago, I can't remember which one it was now, before uh, before the one, you know, that Jeff did, Jeff Beeler, which I've had a lot of good, you know, a lot of people seem to enjoy that talk with Jeff, so that was nice. Um, anyway, we did a competition uh, to pick a winner who for the re- uh, remote accelerator. That's the, the team prize um, product, you know, blatant plug at the end. But it was basically, um, it's a product which allows you, to, you know, it speeds up your remote development because uh, it acts like a version control proxy server, but one that one that lives on your local machine. So we had a few entries and um, you ready for the, ready for the drum roll, guys? I am. <laughs> I could have done that in I could have done that in post, you know, Paul. <laughs> no need to have done it freestyle. <laughs> and additionally on Team System on on Radio TFS, we do freestyle rap. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. Yeah. laughs> I, I was actually gonna put a you know a rim shot on in post, but I'm not bothered now. I'm gonna leave that one in. Uh Rob Murdoch from Virginia Beach. So hey Rob. I was sending you an Ready email later on today with details and I was claiming that prize. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Speaking of the remote accelerator and the competition, that kind of leads us into our topic of today, which is being able to work remotely with your Team Foundation server, being able to access your Team Foundation server remotely. That's kind of the topic that we're going to ramble on about this afternoon. So, Martin, do you want to start us off? Sure, sure. How about I'll... Um, so... Talking to TFS, I mean, as, as most people know, TFS exposes, you know, itself. If you'll pardon, if you'll pardon the uh, horrible mental picture there, but it exposes uh, all its services as a bunch of web services. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people think, "Ooh, fantastic!" You know, I, I can just open a port on my firewall, and I'll be able to connect to it from anywhere. Um, sadly, that's not not quite the case, and there's a few few places that can trip you up. Uh, just explain quickly how it works under the covers, and then you know we can all go into all our favourite ways that it trips you up. Um, when you connect to Team Foundation Server, you, you normally connect on say port eighty eighty. That's if you install it internally, that's the default port that it lives on. So that's the, that's the first problem is obviously you know that port being available anywhere. Else. An- another problem is um, after you've connected on port eighty eighty. The TFS server actually tells the client, um, Visual Studio or you know Eclipse or whatever, it tells them where to connect for all the other services. So, for example, where to connect for reporting, um, where to connect for uh, documents, you know, for the SharePoint document line. And so, um, if anyone has ever seen, like, a, you know, they're connecting to TFS remotely and they've seen red crosses on their documents and reports node, but everyone else seems to then this is a good indication uh, that you've got problems with this part. And then um, a final area that that just makes it tricky with Team Foundation Sir, is uh, TFS is a very um, it's a very online protocol. Well, it works just great, you know, in enterprise environments. One of the um, techniques of used to make it enterprisey, you know, give it all the features that enterprises want, but also keep the chatter down over the wire to keep it very efficient in terms of bandwidth. Uh, because of that, it doesn't like particularly um, to work offline. It likes to be online and to uh, constantly, you know, ask TFS a question. So, like, when you want to check out a file, it will say, "Hey, TFS." 
can I have this pile, please? And then it will say yes or no based on your... So that's about that's a, a high-level summary of um, how TFS works. So, what, Mickey, what, what's your... What's your favorite part where it goes wrong? <laughs> oh, I've I've got a couple. And the the number well one of the number one things though that we're always helping clients and I'm helping answering questions about people that email me about is is the red X of death, which as I think we've even talked about previously on this show, which is when people can't connect to their report can't connect to their reports folder or they can't connect to their documents folder. And a lot of times that's related back to whether you've got a fully qualified domain name, whether you use that during the install. I mean, there's, there's, but that is probably the number one issue that I get asked about as far as connectivity issues and being able to access things remotely. A lot of times people have to be VPNed into their network to actually be able to, to really hit their TFS the way they want to. And sometimes people don't want to have to be VPNed in. And, and it takes, you have to go through some hoops to set TFS to work on a port like port 80. So, Hey, can I just, while we mention that, there's two things I wanted to pick you up on there. First of all, into VPN access. As far as I'm, um, you know, there are parts of TFS that just just will not work um, over an internet connection unless you're VPNed in. They, the, the ones that I know about, I don't know, is um, publishing of tests is the main, you know, is a main one. But also accessing builds um, because a build needs to live on a Windows file share. It can't live on anything else and you can't change the link to some so those two things are two areas where you know if you want to access those things then you're probably going to need to be well, on some sort well when you say accessing builds what are, what are you referring to i mean i can't re- i obviously i can't view the build report if i'm not vpn in ah, well can you can it. you can view you can view view the build report funnily enough there's a way around that. Well, okay. So I did not know that. Yeah, if you go to my blog <laughs> and and search for so if you search for um, accessing uh, build report over the WAN or something like that, um, what you could the build report in 2000 ago accessing team build logs. Over. So let's just take a step back for everybody. The build report when you double click on a build and you bring you know you look at the build results that thing that comes up there is that's actually the build report and that's the one with like the okay, green ticks and stuff yeah and then you've got the build logs and i can see that yeah you can see but that the build log is the and that that's because that comes directly from the application tier so that comes from the port that you've used to connect to so that's good you then get the build log location yeah Right. And, have you, and if you have you found that page yet, Mickey? Accessing Team Build Logs over the one? Have you typed that in? I I suppose I'll go give your. So blog basically, a hit. Um, in two thousand eight, normally when you look at that build report, it's got a line. It's got two links on that build report. One is uh, the build number at the top, and that's where you can right. click on it, and you and it, you you would browse to the drop location, which is a Windows file share. Yeah. Um, and that's where your build stuff is and also where the build logs live. And then further down, you have a link to the build log location, which you can click on and that will open up the build log directly. Now, by default, that build log is also downloaded over Windows file sharing, um, which is, you know, even over a wide area network, that can be quite a pain. I, I access TFS over a VPN um, and getting that build log can take quite a few seconds because it actually has to download the whole of that build log to your local machine before it display you anything. Um, and it does it using Windows file sharing, which, as everybody knows, isn't isn't the best protocol to run over a, a high latency network because it's quite chatty. Um, so what I've got on it's uh, woodwardweb.com slash teamprise 
Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a link and it's too hard to remember. But if you just search for accessing team build logs over the web. What you can do is you can um, set your TFS, your build, so that when it runs, it will um, replace the log location property on the build. And that you can actually point that to a web server. Uh, and obviously accessing oh, web cool. servers is better. And then I've given the source code for a sample AS, a really, really basic, you know, ASP.NET page, which... Um, streams the f- it looks up you in in the url when you put when you say give me the build log you know when you set the build property um you you pass the build uri which is um a, a little you know it's a it's a unique indicator inside team that points to that that in that team build um that building and then inside the code if you look at it um it actually goes looks up that build uri and then it it finds from that build uri finds where the build um, it finds the build log file from the drop location, and it streams it to you over over a web page. So, uh, yeah, so you can, and by doing that, because uh, it's all streaming, um, you, you can actually get the file. You, know, you can read it as it's downloading, which is quite neat. And it's also um, the little sample code I've got given there is reasonably clever in that it actually highlights um, yeah. a new target. You know, it'll as a target gets hit in the log file, it'll actually highlight that in bold. So you can, you can, you can there we go. That's a, that's oh, I'm so going to try this out. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, um, that that one I've got there, it actually runs with a single set of permissions, you know, to access all those logs. You might need to play with that a bit more. And I've, like, switched on caching so that, you know, it's it basically, um, it's not very secure, that one. You don't have a play with an expert on the gadget. internet. That one was in China. Yeah, there you go. So that's one way of doing it. But that drop, the build log, the build drop location, you cannot access that unless you've got access over Windows file sharing to to the TFS server. Correct. What about you, Paul? What have you what what what's your what have you run into remotely? The, the, one of the biggest things I was having a trouble with was getting reporting services to work over over the internet. Um, so when I was exposing TFS over HTTP, I got uh, the SharePoint to work and TFS was working and I could go to create a project and when I went to create a project it would fail all the time. Because of reporting services, so I had to dig a little deeper to find that I actually had to go into the registry and update it with an FQDN, um, so that I had a uh, that fully qualified name in there. And once I did that, everything seemed to work just fine. So, can so I that was my biggest hurdle. Take a step back and talk about the fully qualified domain name thing. Bit. Is, that, is that that's all right? Go for it. Yeah, sure. Sorry to yeah. So the um the. When you install Team Foundation Server, um, you install it typically. You know, it picks up the host name. Of um, for instance, our you know our TFS server that we dog food on. It's called Alpo, um, and so um, it picked up its name was Alpo. And then because we were doing a single a single server install, our SharePoint and our reporting services instances were also on that same box, also at Alpo. Um, it recorded the locations of those places as being um, Alpo. So. Remember I said uh, right at the beginning, when you talk to TFS initially, when you connect in for the first time, it then returns back to you where to connect to for SharePoint and reporting services because they could live on different boxes. You know, your SharePoint could be on a SharePoint farm and your reporting services could be on data or a dedicated reporting services box if you wanted to. Um, So it, it reports you back those URLs. By default, those URLs are the URLs that were created at install time, which typically are just the machine name. So, for instance, the location to SharePoint would be HTTP colon slash slash alpo slash sites, and that's where your that's where your 
projects begin, you new need team portals. Begin. A reporting service it would be, you know, HTTP con slash slash alpo slash reports. Uh, now, the problem is, once you go off the domain, um, once you're on a machine that's on the wide, wide world internet or webs, Alpo, if you're accessing it from Starbucks, doesn't resolve to, um, you know, alpo.teamprice.com or tfsserver.mycompany.com. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't resolve to that because you're now, you're on a different network, you've got different DNS servers. So what you have to do is tell Team Foundation Server what the fully qualified domain name is um, that it should send back to the client so that the client can use that domain name to talk to the TFS. So does that, have I explained that? Okay. Yes, yes, you are. Yep. Exactly. So how you do that in 2008 is you use the uh, TFS admin util on the server box. And there's a if you do TFS admin util help configure connections, that'll probably uh, is the configure connections. And that allows you to set the connections for reporting services. A little caveat for you here. Um, the fully qualified domain name, so you know the, the name that you use that you tell the server where reporting services lives and where SharePoint lives, they have to uh, they have to be resolvable from all machines because every client that talks to this TFS instance will now resolve to them. So it has to be an address that will resolve both resolve both inside your network and outside your network to the same yeah. to the same place. That includes on the machine itself. Um, now, again, this is probably going into far too much detail, but in 2008 SP1, uh, that introduced um, .NET Service Pack 1, and there were some Windows patches that came in. If you've got a fully patched and up-to-date Service Pack 1 server, there's actually a fix on there that um, it, it, it stops... Um, it's a security fix which stops the machine like talking back to itself using... A domain using a name which it doesn't recognise as itself, um, and being able to authenticate using credentials on the box. There's various reasons why this why this why this has been done, but it's basically for security. Um, so if your machine um, doesn't know that it's called tfsserver.teamprize.com, then you can have trouble actually the machine itself authenticating back with itself. So if you use say Team Explorer on that machine, and then the final final point is that. Um, when you're using fully qualified domain names is don't forget to update. Uh, there's um, a connection for SharePoint and there's also a connection for the SharePoint admin. And the SharePoint admin server, you know, typically lives on a different port, 17 something. Or um, and you have to make sure that that's also accessible from outside of your, if you want to be able to create team projects, because that, 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 SharePoint site is spoken to on team project creation and quite often people will get it working and you know they've got no red crosses you think fantastic everything's working they let the consultant go off site you know we it's all our server's all fixed and then they try and create a team project about three months later and that's, that's often because that, that that one Martin you are a wealth you are a wealth of team system minutia of Hacking. things to watch out for <laughs> yeah minutia yeah exactly that's me I'll bore you with all sorts of details <laughs> <laughs> wow alright so let's talk authentication or is there anything to talk about as far as authentication goes as far as being able to remotely authenticate into your team foundation server what's required there what's not required there so again what do you want to talk about is Paul or shall I dive in a bit well really all we do is just you know set up a domain user um, once you have a domain account you know add them to the team system um, either Team Foundation Server at the root level or, or one of the project levels, 
and we find that our clients have no problem getting in. So do you you adjust the authentication at all? Do you enable basic authentication or anything like that, or do you stick with the default? We stick with the default. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, I'm going to go into minutiae here for you. Go for it. So, um, by default, um, the way you authenticate with Team Foundation Server is using um, using NTLM, in, you know, uh, as like the authentication tool. So, Windows integrated authentication is what people often know it as. Um, that auth- the way that authentication works, um, it works on like a session basis. So, when you first connect to TFS um, under the covers, there's actually like a three-way handshake. Um, and it, it takes there's a bit of overhead in just getting authentic Windows authenticated. TFS knows that this is a pro, you know this is an issue this three way handshake thing and so it does lots of magic under the hood to uh, to minimise that being an issue and actually you know use that for the for benefits. So what it does is the first time you connect to TFS it'll do a little three way handshake and then it keeps that connection open for a, a quite a long time. Um, between you and the Team Foundation server. So the, the next thing, so say if you go in and you connect and you view all, you know, you do a l- listing in source control to see what's there. When you do a get latest, it doesn't need to re-authenticate you because um, you've already got this connection open. And it does some other tricks as well. Um, one of the problems that not many people face nowadays, because a lot of, you know, a lot of proxies are well configured, but what a problem that some people can face is... Uh, if you've got an older proxy server, that, um, a HTTP 1.0 proxy server, for example, or, or just one that's been configured to make sure lots of resources don't get used up, and I'm talking a HTTP proxy server here. If you access TFS using NTLM authentication, which is the default, over a HTTP proxy server, wow, all these, I, haven't, I haven't used a vowel all day. <laughs> <laughs> then the problem is... is um, some of those proxy servers can like randomly disconnect you um, because you know it, you're trying to keep a connection open to Team Foundation Server, which is a connection from you via a proxy out to the internet. But the proxy wants to reuse those resources to be able to proxy other people, and you know it's designed to proxy CNN.com and all sorts of websites. It's not really designed as a channel to get you to get you to talk to you. So um, they can disconnect you sometimes, and often that's um, seen as um, you know people having like takes a long time for them to get stuff, stuff, a long time for them to access yes. it. And sometimes it can be seen as people randomly, like a, a download will randomly pause. And occasionally you'll see a, a connection reset message coming back. Or so. And sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't connect you. So, um, yeah, so that's one of the... There is a problem with using NTLM authentication in certain rare conditions. Um, so what Microsoft actually recommend is um, that... People consider using um, basic authentication uh, to talk to TFS. Now, uh, if anyone wants more details on this, by the way, um, if you go to, you know, TFS Guide on Coplex, so coplex.com slash TFS Guide, chapter yep. 17 in that is all about this stuff, is all about access. I know uh, because yeah. I was one of the people that contributed to that chapter and, you know, we went back and forth on it a lot and so uh, it's ingrained in my, in my brain. It still hurts whenever I go there, as, as Mickey knows, because he wrote a whole which, book. <laughs> which that is that is a great free resource for people, by the way. Yeah. If you go to coplex.com slash TFS guide, and I actually think that the, 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 the latest version of the guide is actually been moved to MSDN. But I don't know that. There's for a sure. copy of the guide on MSDN. But oh, it's a copy on MSDN. Yeah. So 
but that is a great free guide put out by the Patterns of Practices group as well as a bunch of MVPs and other just knowledgeable people. So you should definitely go check that out if you've not checked it out yet. Yep, you can download it as a PDF. You can also actually, um, if you prefer, like a printed book, because it's, it's a great reference. reference. I think we'll all agree. You can actually get a copy from Amazon, from Microsoft Press. You can buy a copy as well, but, or you can just get the PDF. Yeah, so chapter 17. Uh, what was it? Basic authentication. Basically, um, you need to fiddle around with this quite a bit, because if you just switch basic authentication on, on your TFS instance, and there's a few problems with that. One, TFS will break, <laughs> because um, TFS... <laughs> talks to itself over the web services as well. Um, and, you know, NTLM allows it to do authenticated authentication, um, in- integrated authentication. Right. But uh, basic, it'll stop being able to talk to itself. You need to do it, and basically you have to install a nice SAPI filter on, which means that when TFS talks to itself, it uses NTLM. But when somebody coming in from, or even when somebody internally is talking to it, it's using, when somebody comes in from the outside, it's mm-hmm. basically. The other thing you have to be sure to do is basic authentication um, is not secure. It's basic. And if you look it up in the, in the spec, um, it actually says, you know, don't use basic authentication to secure anything because it's actually sending you password in clear text. It sends you a username. It goes right. username colon password and then just, just encodes it. In. It ain't it ain't encryption. You know, it ain't secure basic authentication. It's just a, a way of authenticating. So the way around that is you have to actually enable SSL, uh, secure sockets, to talk to your Team Foundation server. So now your URLs for Team Foundation Server are all HTTPS URLs, um, and it's talking over port 443. And that has a few benefits, as well as um, making it much less likely for your connection to get messed with by a proxy server, because the way proxy servers handle SSL traffic, and you know it doesn't cache things. Um, it's also you relying on the SSL part of the communication, you know, the 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 encryption of that HTTP traffic. You're relying on that to also encrypt your password <laughs> top as it goes. So there we go. That's authentication for you. <laughs> Sorry. I'll breathe now. <gasps> <laughs> hey, I've got another bit of my new shy while we're here. One of the problems we also see with authentication is because people are no longer on, often when they're off on different machines, they're no longer on the same domain. Um, and internally, when you're te- using team foundations, it just magically works, you know, because it if you're talking to one from, from externally, people who talk to CodePlex do this a lot, they actually get a little Windows authentication pop-up that comes up, and they have to they have to authenticate there and remember to put the domain name. That's just, it's not a, not a major gotcha, but one you've got, and you can there's you can go and cache those credentials if you want to, or you can remove them from your cache if they're causing a problem. And you you just go to the control panel and look at your user accounts, and then you can look at the the passwords that are stored for you. So, right, I'll let somebody else speak now. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to, to briefly touch on, because it, it does pertain when you're talking about accessing remotely, is accessing Team Fund or working offline from Team Foundation Server. And I just wanted to bring this up briefly because you do have the ability to work offline from Team Foundation Server, but it's not – in 2005, it, 2005 when it came out, you couldn't do it. When the Power Tools came out, they gave you some some ways to make it a little bit easier – and in 2008, they kind of integrated those ways into Team Foundation Server. But there's still some things to, to watch out for and think about if you're going to try to work offline. So what I mean by work offline is you're wanting to, you know, take your laptop home that night and go work. Or you've lost your network connection, but you want to continue to work. So there's some actual couple of manual steps you have to do, which are to work offline, you've got to, you're going to have to 
remove the read-only flag from your files because your files, when they're when they're checked into version control, your local copy of the files are marked as read-only until they're checked out. So you'll either have to manually remove that read-only flag or you go to edit the file in Visual Studio and it'll prompt you to overwrite and then you can overwrite it and it will remove the read-only flag for you. Now, once, once you've removed your read-only flags, you can edit files, you can add new files, you can delete files, but whatever you do, do not rename any of them because it's going to be difficult when you try to check these files back in for to figure out what's a rename versus what's a delete paired with an add. So what you're going to need for 2005 is the 2005 Power Tools because the Power Tools have a nice little tool in them called Online. This online tool is rolled into 2008. So what you do is, when you're ready to, when you're connected back to your Team Foundation server, you run your Power Tool command with with this online command. It brings up a window where you can select which files you want to make pending, and then you can check those files into Team Foundation server. So working offline is, it can be a little bit of a pain, but it can be achieved with with Team Foundation server. Yeah, and it just points out that if you it, if you know, if you need to work offline all the time, then TFS might not be the best tool for you. You know what I mean? If you if you do all Correct. of your work on airplanes, then a you're crazy, and b TFS probably isn't the right tool. You you might want to look at um, like one of the distributed source controls. It inherently is an online protocol, but you can work offline. But it's never going to be perfect. The, uh, another hack that I sometimes use. Um, Rather than what one thing you can do, it, and used to recommend this for two thousand and five especially, was um, you can actually check all the files out. You know, I mean, if you if you had a um, if you if you had an area that you're going to be working on, you're going to be doing a lot of work on it. You could check them all out, and then when you got back into the office, check them all back in again. And TFS is actually smart enough that it'll ignore files uh, from you know that weren't actually changed. It'll it'll mark them as checked back in again, but it won't actually make any changes against it. As a, a little trick, but yeah, you're better off now in 2008 before you know use the work offline facility. And say you want to go back online. Again. I'm interested as well, Paul, because you're you've been playing with like hosting Team Foundation server and things like that. I'm interested in you know what kind of problems you know the experience. What kind of facilities can people not use when they're accessing Team Foundation server remotely? <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not like? having any problems. I'm not. We're not having any problems, other than first the initial first one, getting it up and going. We're not having any problems spinning up new instances of TFS and pushing them out over over the web for for our hosting customers. Um, we 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 can spin one up within a day, and um, and um, you know, there's really no functionality they don't get to. Now, when it comes to the builds, um, we let them run builds over the wire, um, and. What they do is we, we give them an FTP directory to put their drops in. And so their build drops get pointed to an FTP directory. And because of the way we have it set up, it's, it's in a, it's in a dedicated environment for them. They can just go into their FTP drop and pick up their build files, bring them back down to their local machine. Yeah. So, so they couldn't click on that link in the build report, but they can, they, they know another way of getting to those builds by going to a, a known, you know, a known drop to be able to pull those right. results down. Exactly. So, so could you, taking Martin's little hack, change the build report to where you provide them an an FTP link? Yeah, and what, then it opens up. What you can do is that build log link. If you really, really wanted to, again, you're hacking it a bit here. But when you click on that build log link, it could show you the build log. 
Um, but it could also have like some links at the top of the build log, or it could be in you know a frame or something, so that you'd be able right. to get access to the files over FTP. And we actually internally we use as well. Um, so we have at the top, we'll have like a link to. Um, it's actually we we serve them over a HTTP link rather than doing FTP. Right. Yeah. So we can we we create a um, a website that just points you know slash drop of of the log files website. It points to um, the folder, which is the droplet, and with directory browsing enabled. You know, it's highly insecure, but we only access it. Right, right, right. That's cool. Yeah, well, that's something I could probably try and do. Yeah, but well, right. yeah. I mean, but then again, it's like discoverability. You know, you're clicking on a log link. Yeah, you are hacking it. Right, right. But then again, trying to host TFS in itself is hacking it. Currently, um, in 2008, for sure, yeah, definitely yeah, is. Yeah, because it wasn't designed for that. And the fact that we could actually do it and do it successfully really, you know, lets us know that, it, one, it is possible, you know, and uh, but, two, there's, you know, there's some workarounds you have to do to get there. Yeah, for sure. So there's the only thing as well, you know, apart from builds, like I say, something that just won't work it is if you were, if you do a lot of test stuff. And you you know you want to be publishing test results because the way the way the test result bit works is that actually um, it uses Windows file sharing under the hood to 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 drop it into the to put the test result file into a drop location. This is in two thousand eight right. and two thousand five, so you just can't do that. That just doesn't work, unfortunately. But um, in two thousand and ten, they fixed that. And publishing's done by a web service now, so uh, it's a lot nicer. That's one of my bugbears, obviously, because I. I have the same problems. One of the reasons I know about this stuff is because um, anything that doesn't run over standard web protocols causes me, you know, pain when I'm accessing it from a Linux box or a Mac box. Or something. This is the only reason I know this minutiae. It's not. It's not because I. It's not because I lack a life, though I do. So I mean, and that's, we, you mentioned an interesting point there, Paul, about the fact it can be hosted at all, and that's probably. Um, if people are wanting, you know, you provide hosted TFS services for your clients, and um, as you know, as there are, there's a couple of other companies who currently there are problems so as well. As huge, you know, you need to be a TFS expert to be able to do it. But people can, um, if you want to do an open source project, then uh, then Codeplex is a great place that you can access Team Foundation Server over the internet. Yes, it is. You're right. And I've used it, and I'm sure you folks have used it yourselves. You know, for little projects, I've put stuff up there. <laughs> Yeah, it works great. And I say, apart from apart from the fact you can't do builds with it, you know, um, using the right. team system build stuff that's built in, it you know, it works great overall. Source control and work item tracking, that all works brilliantly. I think that pretty much nails down remote TFS access. Fantastic. I am, I am working, I haven't told you and Paul this, but I'm actually working on getting us a, I know a couple of people to possibly interview over the next couple of months. Cool. So... I won't say any names, but and I know that the three of us were working on getting a particular person that used to be an MVP uh-huh. to, 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 to get interviewed. So hopefully we'll have some, some radio TFS episodes coming up where we get, we get to talk to some other people and get their perspective on Team Foundation Server and Team System. Definitely. And I think, you know, listeners out there, if, you, um, if you've got any feedback as to if you, if you like the interview shows or the shows where we just go off and talk about my new shy of Team System, then, you know, let, let us know which kind of format of shows you like best. We, we, we enjoy talking to other people, most, you know, because we, we get to talk to ourselves a lot. <laughs> which one do you like best? So that, what's the address of that again, Mickey? That would be radiotfs at gmail.com. 
So if you've got any any thoughts or opinions, email us at radiotfs at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast at radiotfs.com. Leave comments on the blog. Come hit any of our blogs at woodwardweb.com or teamsestimes.com or teamsystemrocks.com. I can give you about eight other links if you really wanted me to, but the main one you should remember is radiotfs at gmail.com. Well, guys, that about wraps it up. So um, thanks for your time, and we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS.